keep a Bible with you today, if you'll go with me to Revelation, the 12th chapter, and we'll be looking at the 11th verse. And as we are here today gathered in his name, we have some promises. He said, if two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. We know that our praise brings God to us. Our worship takes us to God. So we qualify today for a blessing. The word said you'll come in one way and leave seven. You won't leave feeling the way you did when you came in. There's a song that says, I love the feel that I get. I love the thrill that I get when I get together with God's wonderful people. You are surrounded by some great people today, and I believe God has something special for you. As far as me, Luke 4 says that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me today to do several things, and one of those things is to preach the gospel to the poor. And when you realize God's economics and the ability to tithe and the opportunity to tithe, God promises blessing and favor upon that. He has sent me today to heal the brokenhearted. We realize today when you look at the, the, the tragedy in America, the tragedy in our nation, it doesn't seem like even our naval yards are safe, our hospitals, our schools, our daycares. It seems like we're living under the threat of some kind of tragedy or some kind of, some kind of pressure. He's also sent me today to set the captive free. We talked last week about curses. Ironically, Pastor David, I went to three bookstores, even, even Books A Million, and there's absolutely no material out there on how to reverse a curse, except something written by Bob Larson about 30 years ago. But we realized through generation and through familiar and through disobedience, curses can come upon us. The word says a curse without a cause cannot light upon you, and we know there are ways to reverse the curse. When Noah got out of the ark, offered a sacrifice to God, the Bible says the burnt offering was pleasing to God, and he said, I no longer again will curse the earth. I won't curse it anymore. And so we know that worship turns things around with God. Repentance turns things around with God. Christ was nailed to the tree to redeem us from the curse of the law. The curse of the law, if we sin, we went and got a lamb or a turtle dove, we don't have to do that anymore. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. As we watched yesterday, a very precious interview from Rick Warren, his 27-year-old son, struggling all of his life with mental illness, took his life. I was so, uh, I was just so subdued, I guess, as I watched. I wept. A uh, precious man uh, of God is called America's pastor, had 40,000 a couple of Sundays ago. Uh, has touched the nation, touched the world with the, pur the purpose-driven life and uh, the purpose-driven church. Most of you are familiar with that book. And he made a statement that so touched me. It says, even a broken tree can bear fruit. Even a broken tree can bear fruit. So in our brokenness, in our humility, I believe that God has allowed us to be blessed so that we can be a blessing to others. Look at someone and say, God blesses me so that I can bless others. My name is Hank, and I've been clean 33 years from alcohol, cocaine, marijuana, and all that stuff, tobacco. I'm not a drug addict. I'm not an alcoholic. But the Bible says that I have been redeemed from the curse of the law. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. The Bible says that I'm not limited because I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. And I have no past to haunt me because the word says that forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth those things which are before, I press towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of God through Christ Jesus. As we uh, announced last week, we wanted to go in a special area 
today that's simply entitled America the Medicated. And again, as I mentioned, you don't have to look around too far to see that our nation is in trouble. Uh, in the year 2011, there were one and a half million DUIs upon the highways of America. In 2011, there were 46,000 people killed on our highways through drunk drivers. In 2011, there were 36,000 suicides, half of them drug-related or, 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 or drug-focused. Uh, I believe that 1 Samuel 15 and 23 tells us the challenge that we have in our nation as God gave Saul some instructions. Saul rebelled against God. He did not do what God told him to do. Samuel came on the scene and made the statement that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. In the Hebrew, the word witchcraft means pharmakia. From the word pharmakia, we get the word pharmacy. In this city alone, and I may have missed some, but there are 13 drug stores, pharmacies that you can go and you can get your prescription filled. A pharmacist told me from Walgreens that every day they fill at least 200 opiate prescriptions, and we'll talk more about that later. One pharmacy fills 200 opiate prescriptions a day. How scary is that? Several years ago, as I was in the living room with the family, we were watching Wizard of Oz, you know the story. Dorothy was frustrated with her school, frustrated with her teacher, frustrated with some things in life, and uh, she had a dream or a vision, and we know that her house fell upon the Wicked Witch of the West. It opened the door for her to pursue the Yellow Brick Road. She was told at the end of the Yellow Brick Road, there was the Wizard of Oz, and he would have the answer to her questions and be able to solve the problems of the tin man, the, square, the scarecrow, and the lion. Almost to, her, almost to her mission, we see the scene of the Wicked Witch of the East who hated Dorothy because of taking the life of her sister, had a large vat. And in this vat, she put all kinds of ingredients, and she began to stir this potion, and then she gave the potion to the evil monkeys. The evil monkeys flew to where Dorothy and her companions were walking on the yellow brick road, and there's so many spiritual references in that, in that movie. It's scary. Toto represents the Holy Spirit. Dorothy represents us. The Wizard of Oz represents God. The yellow brick road represents the road to Calvary. And when you come to Christ, you get your courage back, get your mind right, and you have a heart full of love. How cool is that? Almost to their, almost to their destination, the evil monkeys dropped the potion over where Dorothy and her entourage were walking, and immediately all around them, they were surrounded by poppies. The poppies were hundreds of thousands of poppies. And under the influence of the poppy, all of the entourage fell asleep. And they would, would not have been awakened had not the good witch of the north. The Bible says that God comes from the north. And I know we shouldn't be talking about witches and God in the same terminology, but it's just an analogy. The, wicked, the good witch of the north wakes him up. They find their way to the yellow brick road, and they all find what they are looking for. But when I begin to look at that particular part of the movie where they were overwhelmed by poppies, I felt like the Lord in my spirit say, observe or study uh, the, the poppy. And from the poppy, we know, comes opium. And from the, from the opium becomes the opiates that we see in our drugstores today. Some of the things that come from the poppy is Valium, heroin, morphine, Demerol, Stadol, hydrocodone, Oxycontin, Percocet, Vicodin, Soma, and Codeine. All these things come from the poppy, and these are some of the things today that we see in our nation that is not helping or building or restoring, but it is destroying. We know that there is a purpose for medicine. We know that two books of the Bible were written by a surgeon. God is not against doctors. God is not against medication. 
but we in our spirit have a tendency to rebel to what we're told that we can do, and we always seem to want to step over the line and do a little bit more. Can anybody relate? I begin to, this past week, I begin to talk to several and ask them the question, when did you first feel like that you were walking in rebellion? And Becky, I don't know when it was for you, but in seventh grade, it was the thing to do at school, that in between classes and at lunch and during the break, the guys would run to the guys' bathroom, the girls would run to the girls' bathroom, and they would light a cigarette, and like a joint, it would be passed around, and we thought it was so cool to smoke. We just thought that was the end thing, and I don't know how many of you can relate to that, but I, in 33 years of ministry, almost without exception, every kid that I've walked through drug abuse, usually their first choice of addiction was nicotine, And you know what? I've watched people lay down heroin. I've watched them lay down morphine. I've watched them lay down marijuana. But for some reason, they battle the tobacco. And there's a reason for that. And we'll be talking about about that in just a little bit later in this message. As we look at this problem in our nation, America, the medicated, there probably is not a single person in this building that, that cannot relate to what Pastor's saying about having a loved one who is medicated beyond the correct way to medicate, who has found themselves in trouble, in jail, in, in, has attached to crime, have been, you, you, you've been robbed by these particular individuals, but in your heart of hearts, there's a place there that you really would like to see them restored and really like to see them redeemed. This message today is not just to tell you how bad this problem is. This message is not to tell you how many lives that this problem has stolen, but this message has the ability to turn the captive and to set them free to heal the brokenhearted and bring restoration to every family that believes in the Word of God and has the ability to pray the prayers that God has taught us to pray for victory and redemption. Do I have a friend in the building? Much to my chagrin, I have realized that all of us, without thinking subconsciously, has taught our children to medicate. Go with me, if you will, to probably the kitchen or the master bathroom. There is a cabinet called the medicine cabinet. And in that cabinet, there are solutions to our children's problems. In that cabinet, there's Benadryl. In that cabinet, there's Tylenol PM. In that cabinet, there's Sudafed. In that cabinet, there is cough syrup with coating. And all those things, either over the counter or given by a doctor, are to help the problems that we encounter every day in life. And without thinking or without, 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 generating a, a, a factor, we teach our children that if you're in pain, not to pray and ask God to take the pain away, but if you're in pain, let's go to the cabinet and let's get something out to make you feel better. Well, let me tell you something. God has something that he gives us to make us feel better. It's called the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And like I said, there ain't no high like the Holy Ghost high. The late Sammy Hall, who was a dear friend of our ministry, wrote this song entitled, turned on to Christ. He also had a song entitled, Hooked on a Good Thing. Let me tell you something. You cannot over-medicate in the presence of God. Hello. You can't get enough of God. There's always more of God that you want to get, but aren't you glad that only Jesus can satisfy that longing in your soul? As we look at at what is taking place in, in life today, I begin to look at some of the lives that have been seriously affected by overdose or by the use of drugs. Some of our, I, I mentioned heroes, maybe, maybe some of you say, well, this is kind of maybe not the right terminology to use, but we see that television impacts, influences a lot what we do 
Our music influences a lot what we do. Joseph Stalin made the statement in 1945, if we can enslave just one generation, that generation will fall to communism. Of course, we know that communism has failed, but his plan was this. The way to enslave that generation is by the means of what's this? Music, immorality, and drugs. That's from the mouth of Joseph Stalin, a Russian dictator whose desire was to rule the world and control them under the bondage of communism. Music, drugs, and what was the other? Immorality. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. As we look at some of the heroes of our time, we look at those whose lives were snuffed out way before their time. We look at the life of Marilyn Monroe, the life of Elvis Presley. Autopsy said that Elvis had enough drugs in his body to get 100 people high. Janis Joplin was found overdosed with heroin with a needle still in her arm. In a concert in Detroit, Michigan, Jimi Hendrix asked 60,000 people, can anybody tell me what truth is? No one had the answer. So he sang a song about LSD, was found two nights later with enough drugs in his body to kill two people. John Belushi overdosed on a high of coke and a down of morphine, mixing the two together. We look at the life of Jimmy, of, of, uh, I'm sorry, uh, bon, bon, Brian Jones of the Rolling Stones. Bon Scott of ACDC walked into a studio in London, England, recorded the song he had written, Highway to Hell, when he had finished with the lyrics, said goodbye to the band, was found four hours later in the back seat of his car, overdosed on vodka. We look at the life of Anna Nicole. Just a few months ago, Whitney Houston overdosing on Ambien and alcohol. We look at the life of Heath Ledger and Corey Hom, two guys that didn't overdose purposely. They overmedicated. Both of them had four prescriptions that were filled the day before of Seroquel, Valium, Vicodin, and Soma. They put the drugs in their body, forgot that they had medicated, come back and medicated a couple hours later, and their heart could not handle the pressure that was put on them by the drugs. We look at the life of Jim Morrison of The Doors, Amy Winehouse, and just recently, I, I guess, would be Michael Jackson. I shared with you a few weeks ago uh, the story of a young lady that grew up pretty much with Courtney, went to church all of her life, graduated from high school, started dating a guy that really was not the kind of guy that she probably should have dated, he got her pregnant. He convinced her to have an abortion. And after, the, after that abortion, she be, began to become so depressed that she began to medicate, admitting to her brother that she had taken 20 Xanax in one setting. When I was in Florida preaching a meeting, she took 30 Xanax, and it took her life. And there by her bedside, Pastor Rhonda prayed with her the prayer of salvation. One month later, her precious mom, who had no teeth because of the meth that she had used to, to abuse her body, one month later, that precious mom overdosed, no money to bury her, no money to cremate her, no, no money to take care of a, of a, of a grave plot. This, the funeral service was where the, the um, help me, the uh, embalming fluid was put in her body. They pulled her, their, her bed up to the door, opened the door, and I stood there with her sister and her brother and preached her funeral there in that embalming room of, of the cemetery. The enemy comes to do three, three things, to steal kill, and destroy. Can anybody relate? We have in our life, we have at harvest, uh, the testimony of a young lady that came a part of the Hope House, love of the Lord, was raised in the church of God all her life, precious daughter getting ready to give birth, horrifically hooked to alcohol. And may I tell you, if I may, some things about alcohol. We find that the world in Genesis 8 and 12 had three goals, to eat, drink, and divorce. 
There was, a, there was a curse upon that generation that food was their God, drug was their supplement, and to, and to get divorced and have a strange wife was their goal. And we find that God judged that, that nation and God destroyed the world by water. We believe in the flood. We believe it actually happened. We believe that Noah built an ark. We believe that when Noah got out of the ark, he was so depressed with the loss of life that he planted a vineyard and he took the grape and he fermented it and he got drunk. And in his bedroom being naked, his youngest son, Ham, went into the bedroom and molested his father. So we find the abuse of alcohol. We find homosexuality. We know that Lot was spared from Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot's wife looked back, saw the city being destroyed. She was turned to a pillar of salt. And then we know that Lot, being so depressed, went to a cave. And there his two youngest daughters got him drunk, seduced him. And both of them got pregnant with two sons that would grow up to be generationally the enemy against the, the Israelites for the rest of their life. Even today, we find those tribes are the tribes of Iran and Iraq, the two sworn enemies of Israel. Many scholars believe that Jonah had to be under the influence of alcohol to survive the storm that was literally threatening the life of the cellular. They had to wake him up from a deep sleep. And we know that Samson laid his head in the lap of Delilah under the influence of alcohol. He told Delilah where his power was, and he lost his power. Herod, seduced by the dancing and by the wine of the day, was, was, was manipulated to take the head of John the Baptist. So we find incest, we find homosexuality, and we find murder all by the results of alcohol. I believe alcohol is just as serious a drug as, as any, anything that's on the street or anything that's the prescription. It can destroy, and we've seen hundreds of lives destroyed by that. But I've also seen hundreds of lives that once they had a true touch from God, they stopped drinking beer and started drinking Dr. Pepper. Aren't you glad that only God can turn that around and set the captive free? We look at the music of our day. We look at the, the music of the Beatles who had songs that promoted drugs and alcohol. Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, LSD. I get high with a little help, my friends. John Lennon admitted to taking acid over a thousand times. Hey Jude, the song from the Beatles says, the minute you let her under your skin, then you will begin to feel better. Bridge over troubled water was, was a song about a needle attaching a person from where he was to where he wanted to be. A lot of songs of the, of, of the 70s were obviously filled with uh, annotations of drugs and alcohol. There were some songs you could play backwards, and it would manipulate you to worship the devil. But if you listen to the music today, you don't have to play it backwards to see that the enemy is trying to steal and kill and destroy this generation. I believe this is the generation that will see the Lord coming back on a white horse, and they will take a sword and they'll defeat the army of the Antichrist. But it seems tragically that we now have a generation that's shooting bleach, huffing gas, snorting battery acid, and cooking meth. If you were to know the ingredients of meth as it goes into your body, you would shudder. It's, it's almost like taking a loaded pistol and playing Russian roulette. There's no way you can put that in your body and survive and live. Just a few months ago here on the property, we were putting a sign on the freeway letting the public know we had some acreage for sale. And there we found a complete meth lab in two Walmart grocery bags. We went to the motel and told the manager what was going on. And he, he had suspected that there was someone there selling meth, so they were, they were cooking it on the parking lot of Church of the Harvest and selling it in the motel. Now we know there are meth labs in the trunk of cars. It doesn't take a big deal. It's very inexpensive. 
but it will kill, it will steal, and it will destroy. I want to read a poem that was found by a young lady, 21 years of age. She took her life in a public phone booth. This piece of paper was found in her pocket. King Heroin is my shepherd. I shall always want. Maketh me to lie down in gutters. He destroyeth my soul. He leadeth me in the pack of wickedness for his name's sake. Yea, I walk through the valley of poverty. I will fear all evil, for thou art with me. Your rods, your staff, they torture me. Surely shame and pain shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the damned forever. Pastor Ron and I have a lifelong friend travel with us and sang before we preached. When Michael Jackson was called the pop king of the world, she was called the pop queen of the world. If I were to say her name, you would know her name. Travel with us would come in and sing with such a, a blessing. Her brother later came here to Harvest for a couple of years under a mentoring ship, praise and worship leader. But I got a phone call from this young lady. She said, Hank, I've, I've met somebody that I've fallen in love with and I want to marry. There's only one problem. He is a, he is a heavy drug user. He abuses. His mom pastors the church at Birmingham. He's a church janitor, but he's using drugs. But I believe that I can turn him around. And I, I spent as much time as I possibly, I, I, I begged her not to marry him. I begged her to wait. I begged her to give opportunity, lead him to the Lord, get him turned around, get him restored. But, uh, you know, sometimes a crazy little thing called love, we do some crazy things. And they went ahead and got married. She was hired to lead the, the choir, the praise and worship there at the church. It was a rocking church about 900 black people, and they loved to worship, and she was a great worship leader. She was a great worshiper. But unfortunately, within the year of the marriage, she started doing drugs with her husband. Uh, things, things got so bad that mom, the pastor of the church, called me, asked me to come. I preached Sunday morning, Sunday night, and that night mom did an intervention, and she insisted that her kids came with us. We had a nine-bedroom, uh, six-bath facility, what we lovingly call the ranch in there. Uh, they stayed 30 days. They got clean. They got off of tobacco 60 days. They started eating right. After about 70 days, mom pulls up and says, I'm here to get my kids. And I said, Pastor, they're not, they're not, they're not healed. They're not restored. This is about a 13-month program. We've got we to get them jobs. We've got to get them eating right. A lot of things we've got to do. She said, no. She said, I need them at home. And she took them. By the way, Earlier in life, she had taken him to the University of Alabama for a drug rehab program. 30 days, one month, was $30,000, which that's also the cost of Betty Ford, which I'll say more about in just a few minutes. She took them back to Birmingham, and within just a few weeks, they were doing drugs again. And then we got the phone call that there was a drug deal that went bad, and the drug dealer put them in the trunk of their car and set their car on fire and both of them died. In testimony, and the drug dealer, by the way, was, was committed to life. In testimony, the drug dealer said that before he set the car on fire, he heard the girl in the trunk speaking in a word language. And I like to think that they knew that the end was there, and I like to think that they prayed. I like to think they made things right with God. But I cannot tell you today that you can live your life any way you want to live it, and assume on your deathbed God's going to come and give you a moment to be restored. We, can't, we cannot preach that. We cannot teach that. You've got to live your life for the glory of God. You can't allow the enemy again to steal, kill, and destroy. 
I shared with you last week that I explained to you why people do drugs, why people abuse drugs, why people turn to drugs, and the only way to explain that is to share that your brain, like your heart, has the ability to produce some vitamins, some minerals, some, some chemicals. There are four chemicals that your brain produces that you need to know about. There are dopamine, tryptophan, serotonin, and melatonin. Dopamine is the, is, is the, is the chemical that flushes your brain that creates pleasure. Pleasure in eating, pleasure watching a softball game, pleasure in making love. Your brain actually produces that chemical to overwhelm you, to make you feel good. Your, your body also produ produces melatonin and serotonin tryptophan, which is, a, which is the chemical that brings peace, that brings calmness. It brings, it's called a cuddle effect, love, trust, comfort. That, that, that chemical produces those emotions. Sometimes the brain, like the heart, will fail and it will fail to produce those, those emotions and produce that pleasure. There are several ways that you can repair that. One is by eating right, and, and if you would like, I have some real good notes on what you should eat and what you should, what you should do, but they claim that you have to get caffeine and nicotine out of your body. I want to tell you I'm halfway there. I'm, I'm halfway there. Um, but there, there is created in our brain, the Bible says renewing your mind, God created in our brain the ability to experience joy and the ability to walk in peace. I wrote some scriptures down for you, Psalms 21. The joy of the Lord is my strength. 1 Peter 1 and 8, God said he wants you to have joy unspeakable and full of glory. Psalm 1611 said in his presence there is joy. There, there is a joy attached to knowing who you are in Christ, a joy attached to knowing what God has done for you, and a joy attached to knowing what God will do for you. There's a place that you can, you can arrive in worship, and when you bring God to where you're at, it's like heaven kisses the earth, and we get caught in the smack. Can anybody relate? There's just something about two or three agreeing, praising, dancing, celebrating, cranking the music up, but then there's a second gear. Then there's an overdrive you shift into, and that's when you stop focusing on one another, and you start focusing on him. And in that worship, God can come right to where you're at, and you can literally be overwhelmed by the power and presence of God. And you can experience that joy, and you can experience that peace. The Bible uh, says, mentions peace over 200 times in the Bible. talks about peace offerings in Ephesians 4 and 7. It says, great peace have, that he gives us the peace that passeth all understanding. Ephesians 4 and 9 says, the God of peace will be with you and strengthen your heart. Psalms 29, 11, the Lord will bless his people with peace. Psalms 34 and 4, do good and seek peace. Isaiah 9 and 6, he's called the prince of peace. So in our body that God created us, he created us with the desire to walk in peace and to walk in joy. Do I have a witness in the building? Has anybody ever experienced that peace that passeth all understanding? I've done a lot of funerals, several hundred funerals in 33 years I've done funerals of babies. I've done funerals of people that were murdered. I've done funerals of people that overdosed. I've done funerals of people that took their life. And I'm going to tell you what, it's, it's, it's tough preaching a funeral for someone that you're not sure where they are eternally. But let me tell you how much easier it is preaching the funeral of someone that you know is in the presence of the Lord. And even though you love those that you lost, the Bible says there's a peace that passeth all understanding. It doesn't come through medication. It doesn't come through drugs. It doesn't come through 
alcohol, doesn't come through counseling, doesn't come through new age, doesn't come through hypnotism, doesn't come through acupuncture. It comes in a personal relationship with a child that was wrapped in swaddling clothes, that walked a victorious life, died a horrible death, had a glorious resurrection, and is soon coming as our King of Kings and as our Lord of Lords and as the Prince of Priests. So somebody help me in the building. When we look at peace, the word says, great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. There's something about pursuing what or things are true, lovely, pure, be any virtue, be any praise. The Bible says that the God of, if you think on those things, the God of peace will come and bring you peace. Aren't you glad this morning that we can tap into that peace that passeth all understanding? I don't know, a couple of years ago, and I never, uh, for some reason, I, 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 I never got affected. I, maybe Pastor Rhonda did. But several years ago, there was a movement in the, in the New Testament church, which was called the laughter movement. And you would go to church, and you would start worshiping, and people would just start laughing, and they would fall over in the floor, and they would laugh. And Rodney Howard Brown, uh, who ironically, and, and again, I'm not being, I'm not being critical or, or demeaning in any way, but Rodney Howard Brown has a, a, very, a very crooked a very crooked grin. His, his teeth are... are uh, they're just, they're just out of order. And for God to choose him to bring laughter to the nation, how ironic. Only God could do something like that. But there, there is a place that you can get in the presence of God that you can literally be overwhelmed with joy. I mean, joy that makes you love, your, love those that curse you and bless those that curse you and love those that hate you and do good to them that spitefully use you and sow and plant and be involved and give away. And it's, and it's something that only God can give. So there, there, there are highs in God, and there's a low, there's a peace in God. The only reason you take drugs is for one of two reasons, to get high or get, or get mellow, uppers and downers. But God wants you to tap into that which he has for you, and those things come, I believe, just by asking. I believe just by submitting yourself to the presence of God and saying, I don't want to live this life anymore, but I want all the things you've promised, all the things you've declared that you will give and I'm going to show you this morning in just a few minutes how we can turn everything around and how we can pray for someone in our life that's addicted or in bondage or in trouble. Let me tell you how we can pray. Hosea married a very precious young lady, a virgin, had two beautiful children. Unfortunately, she was married from the house of prostitution. Her mom was a prostitute. Her grandmother was a prostitute. Her sisters were prostitutes. But she married this young preacher by the name of Hosea had two beautiful children, and after creating a family and, and, and birthing children, she came to a place where she had a desire to taste the things of the world. She had never tasted those things before, much like the prodigal son lived in a healthy home with a healthy dad, had never stepped out of the boundaries of that covering, but decided they wanted to go and play a little bit. Pastor Ron and I have a, a dear, be very careful what I say, a very, a very dear friend, that had three beautiful children. One of his children, if I were to mention some of the songs he wrote, you would know the songs. Barry Manilow did some of his songs. Raised in church his whole life, served the Lord all of his teenage years, all of his college years, but told his family that he wanted to go out in the world and sin a little bit so that he could have a testimony. And unfortunately, in the world, he came to a place where he took his own life. Let me tell you, God has all the testimony that you need when you realize you've been washed by the blood of the Lamb, you've been restored, and you've been healed, 
That's the greatest testimony you could, you could ever have. But Hosea was married, this beautiful girl, loved her with all of his heart, and she left him. She began to get involved with alcohol. She began to sleep around. She began to play. She began to party. She began to live that lifestyle, and obviously she loved it. And after several years, we're not sure how long, but after several years, Hosea went to God and said, I need a mother for my children. I need a companion. Can I, may, I, may I divorce Gomer? And God said, no, I hate divorce. Here's what I'm going to, I'm going to teach you a prayer. And here's the prayer you're going to pray. You're going to pray a hedge of thorns around her. And when you pray this hedge of thorns, three things are going to happen. Number one, her wine's going to become flat. I don't know if any of you can experience, but there was a season in my life where I got to a place where I couldn't get high. I was so frustrated and I knew it had to be God turning me back to the things of God. But no matter how, much, how many drugs I put in my body, no matter what I ate, what I snorted, what I drank, I could not get high. And that's the prayer that Hosea prayed for Gomer. That let her wine become flat. Let her not get high. Let her not feel the influence of the alcohol. Number two, let her lovers become disinterested. That everybody that she would reach out to try to have sex with, they wouldn't be interested and they were cast away. And number three, everything that she would touch to bring pleasure let it be a hedge of thorns and let it bring pain and let it remind her how good things were at home. We don't know how, how long he prayed this prayer, but one day God told Hosea to go to town. When he went to town, there on the auctioning block, slavery was legal in those days, and there on the slavery block, she was being sold as a slave. Her wine had become flat, her lovers had become uninterested, and everything she, she touched brought her pain, not pleasure, and she found herself in such a bondage and such a debt that she was being sold to satisfy her debt. And on that auction block, Hosea bought her back. He bid for her, and he bought her back. He paid a high price for her. And then when he walked up to her, he told her, you don't have to come home with me. You're free. You're free to do. I purchase you. You're free to do whatever. You're now free to do whatever you want. And she said, can I come home and be the mom and wife I'm supposed to be? And he said, yes, and they lived happily ever after. What a great story. The hedge of thorns is a very dangerous prayer to pray. When you've come to a place where you feel like you've prayed all you can pray and you've done all you can do, there is a place that you can go at praying a hedge of thorns. However, when you ask God to do whatever it takes to turn someone's heart from darkness to light, then there's, there are some things that God may allow to happen that might, might bring some pain, might bring some hurt but the end result is always good. Look at somebody say, when God gets involved, the end result is always good. When you pray a hedge of thorns, there could be a car accident. When you pray a hedge of thorns, there, there could be a, a hospital surgery. When you pray a hedge of thorns, there could be an arrest. There could be some jail time. When you pray the hedge of thorns, there could be a calamity or a, a, some dis, disaster that will happen in their life. But if you trust God, God knows what he's doing, and God has the ability that when they find themselves with that hedge of thorns around them to turn back to the God of their salvation, turn back to the God of their youth, to go back to that place where they know God can be found. In closing this morning, I will share with you, we have, as I mentioned last week, we've had dozens, if not hundreds, of testimonies of those that have prayed the hedge of thorns, and God turned things around in their life. But we have, Pastor Ron and I, have in our life a very special person. She's been in her life a long time, an incredible young lady, incredible mom, incredible wife, uh, very talented teacher, educator, 
I came to a place in her life where it was necessary for her to have a hysterectomy. And going to the hospital, she had the hysterectomy at the, when she left, the doctor gave her a prescription, a hydrocodone. And she went home and she began to deal with the pain. It did not heal right away. There were some complications. So she found herself, instead of a few weeks on the medication, she found herself several months on the medication. She actually went to her doctor twice and told him, I feel like I'm getting addicted to this medication. The doctor blew her off, did not change anything, kept her on the medication, and then came to a place where he refused to write her any more prescriptions. Because of the, of the addiction in her life, she found herself calling pharmacies, pretending to be a doctor, calling in her own prescriptions and going and picking them up, and was traveling in three different counties, filling out prescriptions and collecting the hydro so she could medicate herself. There was a very serious storm in their life. Pastor Ron and I were there for them. And while we were helping them through this storm, I, I just happened to hand them the teaching that I'm, I'm sharing this morning. And I gave her the message, America, the Medicated, on DVD. She called me a couple of days later and said that she had watched the DVD and that she was in prayer, wanted to see God make some changes in her life. Ironically, God chose to allow her to be caught. She was arrested and she was given court dates, and she was given all kinds, of, all kinds of things that she had to do. And ironically, the second county, after the first county caught her, the second county, to make a long story short, all three counties found her, arrested her, put all kinds of fines, all kinds of penalties. But when I went to see her in jail, she told me, she said, Pastor, as I was, as I was getting my, my jail clothes on and walking down this corridor, God told me, this is my hedge of thorns. This is what God had to do to turn my heart from where it was at to where he wanted me to be. And she has that testimony today. I've been clean almost a year, healthy mom, great, a great woman, woman of God, and we thank God for that. Real quick, as every head is bowed, as every, every eye is closed, if you, are, if you are here this morning and there is someone in your life that, that you love and you care about, that is abusing medication or abusing alcohol or abusing drugs in any way, just put your hand up. Let me see it. If there's someone in your life that you know right now is in, in trouble, almost everyone in the building. Father, I want to pray this morning a special prayer of protection over these that were represented. Allow there to be no death. Allow there to be no overdose, but allow there to be an awakening. Allow there to be a stirring. Allow there to be a a season, something that would happen in their life that would turn them back to you. Father, we trust you. Your ways are not our ways, but your ways are the best ways, and they're the ways that we submit to. We thank you for where you have brought us from, that because of the testimony that we have, the Spirit of the Lord is upon us to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captive free, to, 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 to minister to the blind that they can see spiritual things that they have missed. Let our life be a light. Let everything that we do be a testimony for you. God, let us pray for those that we know that are abusing. Let us pray for this nation that is desperately in trouble. Let us pray for the anointing to come and to break every yoke, the yoke of bondage, the yoke of addiction. We pray these prayers in the name of Jesus. And they all said, amen. You love the Lord today. Did, did you receive something that's going to help you this morning that some turn some things around? Uh, Pastor Ron is going to come, and if you will, just for a moment, just uh, hear what she has to say. <laughs>